the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This week on the Paracast, we welcome as our guest co-host, the one and the only Tim Swartz. Except no substitutes. Tim, of course, has worked for a number of years with the late Tim Beckley. And may, because Beckley dealt with paranormal literature, may still be working with him. Tim, are you going to try to make an effort to break out the Ouija board or something to talk to Tim? No. You know, it has been suggested by some people, not so much the, uh, the Ouija board, but maybe you know, some of these electronic devices like a, like a ghost box. But I'm kind of of the opinion that uh, we should probably let Tim enjoy his, his travels on the mothership for now. I, you know, I think in the, in the future, if he decides that he wants to uh, come back around and try to communicate with us here on the material plane, then I'll be uh, welcome to that. We have Ryan Sprague joining us this week. Ryan, had you had much of any encounters with Tim Beckley? First of all, thank you, Gene, for having me again. And Tim, it's great to uh, to finally meet you digitally. Yes, I did. I, you know, we would talk, you know, over Facebook a lot. And him being a New Yorker, we always had stuff to talk about. So I miss him immensely. I value all of his work and research. I actually just got my hands on one of his original Men in Black magazines he did back in the day. So again, I treasure everything he's done, and he's just another one of those gems in the field gone too soon. I first encountered Tim when I think when he was 13 and I was 15. (laughs) Now, imagine knowing anybody for that many years. I can't even imagine. You know, I always go back to our our mutual friend, Paul Kimball, who had a running bet with Mac Tony's back in the day, you know, saying the first of us that kicks the bucket is going to come back to haunt the other. That That's the deal. Paul will say on the record that Mac has kept that deal and he has done it many times. So, you know, those are the true friends, the ones who apparently this mortal coil does not is not a boundary for them. So I, I hope, Gene, I can have a friend like that someday. Jim Mosley has not contacted me. So maybe he wasn't such a good friend. <laughs> hey, he was a bit of an instigator and a and a jokester, so you never know. He might come back in the most tricksterish of ways. Yes, definitely with Jim Mosley. He was such a character. We spend so many evenings just talking. He lived at a place in New Jersey near where I was living at the time. I lived down the street from him in an apartment building, and I drop over there, and he's got his bottle of whiskey I don't drink, so... I could never understand it. Had his bottle of whiskey there, had a joint in his hand, and he'd get more and more stoned and more and more wacky. Unless he was really bad, he could speak logically under all sorts of influences. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, whatever opens the doors to perception, uh, I'm all for. I, I can't say that I've personally partaken in many of these ways of trying to communicate with uh, the quote unquote others, but uh, I respect anyone willing to go to those lengths to do so. And again, that, you know, that reminds me so much of my mentor, Peter Robbins, who is a New Yorker as well. And, you know, we meet up here in the city at least once a month, talk UFOs, talk theater. Another big thing that Peter and I have always had in common is the live theater. I'm a playwright here in New York City when I'm not doing the whole UFO thing. And just spending those hours upon hours. For us, it was in a diner drinking 
really bad burnt coffee all the time and just talking about all this amazing stuff. So I, I treasure those sorts of friends and, and those memories. And uh, some of the best moments of my life have happened in that diner over burnt coffee. So, yeah. We've had some fascinating sessions with Peter Robbins here, of course. We interviewed him first, not so much about abductions, a big thing that he investigated, but the Rendlesham case. The fact that he became disenchanted with his co-author, who apparently was making stuff up. Welcome to the world of ufology. And, you know, I, I can comment on that whole affair from the periphery. I was writing a play about the Rendlesham incident from the eyes of the uh, supposed witness and Peter Robbins, the co-authors of the famous book Left at East Gate. And I was working directly with them on this. And then this entire debacle happened where we learned that the supposed prime witness may not have even been involved with the incident. And like you mentioned, this was a real big eye-opener for Peter Robbins and was a big lesson, I think, for a lot of us out there that you're going to be wrong in this field and you're going to be, you know, there's going to come times where you have to admit that you're wrong and admit that you've made mistakes. And, and I've taken that with me. And I think Peter's come out on the other side, a better researcher and person for that. So while I wish that wasn't the case, um, I'm glad something good came of it. So with regard to Rendlesham, what is your opinion as to what happened there? I look at it these days as some kind of military experiment. Same with Cash Landrum in the U.S. around the same time. That's very interesting. You know, I, uh, I had Nick Redfern on my show not too long ago talking about his book, The Rendlesham Conspiracy. You know, the more you look into it, the more it seems very plausible that we were dealing with something that could have been experimental. Uh, were these men and women, these military personnel, under some sort of uh, LSD experiment or, or holograms, as Nick has brought forward? I think there is some some interesting documentation to that. We know that area in you know Suffolk, there's a lot of surrounding military activity around there as well with some really covert things going on. So when it comes to Rendlesham, I change my mind every day. <laughs> and you have one person saying it's us from the future, another saying it's aliens, another saying it's experiments. And just like always, Gene, I'm sure the true answers lay somewhere in between all of those. Or all of them and not just one. Exactly. Pick D, always D, all of the above. <laughs> I like that, all of the above, that works. What about Socorro, New Mexico? That, to me, could also have been some kind of experiment. You know, that one, it really does conjure a lot of the images we're seeing now when it comes to the, the now-famous Tic Tac UFO event. I mean, the craft look almost identical, save the uh, enigmatic symbol that, uh, you know, Lonnie Zamora has reported having seen on the craft. But again, another case where it is very possible that we are looking at some sort of advanced technology that clearly a police officer was not familiar with and uh, possible beings, whether otherworldly or, or human, some sort of, uh, like I said, some sort of top secret project going on. The more I look at these, Gene, and, you know, 
I'm known mostly for my work with experiencers and those who have seen these things and and witnessed them. Uh, But I will say, as time has gone on, a lot of these cases that a lot of ufologists have hung their hat on, I've grown very skeptical of. And and I think that's a good thing. I, I think, you know, the, the more you get into this, the more you're searching for those true answers instead of what you hope it is, what you want it to be. And I think that is true for a lot of the cases that we hold so near and dear to our hearts. Everything from Rendlesham to Socorro to, you know, up until Chicago O'Hare. I'm not saying that all of them could be explained prosaically, but uh, it's a door we should keep open always, always. Well, that's the thing I wonder about all these Naples sightings, because the first thing that comes to my mind is not that E.T. is here, but we're seeing some kind of experiment. But because they don't want to reveal what they're testing, they leave this elaborate scenario. So the whole thing may be disinformation. Think about that, folks. The Pentagon UAP task force report, all the new interest in UFOs. We like to think, hey, this is going to lead us to E.T. or something. Maybe it's done to mess with the minds of the folks in China and Russia and Iran and all that politics. Ryan Sprague is joining us. His book is called Somewhere in the Skies. He's got a 2020 edition. We'll ask him about the changes. Tim Swartz is our guest co-host. You're in the Paracost. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nanocolloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. 
Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Do you have a home that you don't want anymore? We can buy it from you within 24 hours, any home, size, or condition. For over 20 years, we've been buying homes for cash and helping homeowners sell their homes immediately with no listings or strangers walking through your home. Are you moving? Did you lose your job? going through a divorce. Whatever the reason, if you're in a bind and you know that you need to sell your house fast, call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. We'll make you a serious cash offer to buy your home in 24 hours and let you walk away from it. No listing, no waiting. Sell any home, any size, any condition now. Call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. Make this free call now. 800-475-0092. 800-475-0092. That's 800-475-0092. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Our guest co-host, Tim Swartz, is learning the ropes, talking about the Paracast. So I was suggesting here in this chatter back and forth with our guest, Ryan Sprague, that maybe at least some key sightings are test aircraft of some court experiments. Do you have some questions further on this, Tim? In regards to Rendlesham, I would really hate to think that considering that at the time the UFO incidents occurred there, uh, because considering that that was a base that contained nuclear weapons, that they would go, the government, whomever, would go and be conducting some kind of, of mind manipulation experiment at this location. I'm, I'm not saying that it's outside of the possibility. Uh, you know, I mean, the research that I've done over the years, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you get MKUltra and uh, situations like that. But uh, I could see it happening more on a smaller base that uh, didn't have the possibility of, uh, of an accidental <laughs> nuclear apocalypse. Cases like Socorro, that one, you know, there, there was a theory that came out to him maybe about five years ago that it was a hoax perpetrated by a local college using balloons and students dressed in aluminum foil and things like that. That one always has been a favorite uh, uh, case of mine. And uh, so I'm going to stick to my guns that something unusual happened there 
outside of a possible you know government or an experiment or a hoax by drunken college students. <laughs> but Tim, you, you you bring up a good point and we're seeing this mirrored in the uh, the Navy incidents of today is this this idea that our military would never do some sort of test like that because it would endanger our, our pilots. It would endanger our personnel on the ground guarding these nuclear ordnance. And, you know, we're asking the same questions as we did back then as we are today. Would they do that? Would they put these multi-million dollar aircraft in jeopardy uh, to test something? And, you know, while I can't pretend to have an answer for that, I do think it is possible, but yeah, yeah. Again, we're, we're asking the same questions as we did of a case that happened in 1980 and the lengths in which our military would go to do that. And it does make you wonder when you look at something like today where the supposedly the Air Force were the ones to come onto the Nimitz carrier during the Tic Tac event and take the uh, – you know, the radar blocks from the personnel on the ship there and say, we're taking these and uh, we'll see you later. You sure yeah. that was the Air Force? Because I know Gary Voorhees, one of the people who was involved in that encounter, said on the Paracast that they came down in a helicopter but never seemed to specify the agency. Do we know for certain it was the Air Force? Interesting. I do believe you are correct. I do recall Gary saying that they did not have proper uniforms on that would indicate they were Air Force. But I have spoken to several of the other people uh, that were on the carriers as well and witnessed these individuals and believe they saw some sort of Air Force insignia. Now, I cannot 100 percent confirm that, Gene, obviously, but uh, it is something I think we need to look at is would another military branch be doing a test on on the Navy? And the more I look at what our military is capable of, the more I'm like, yeah, I, I, I think they would take that chance. I honestly do. Not so much the expendable lives of the pilots, but the actual craft they're flying and how expensive they are would be the biggest risk. So again, the answer probably lays somewhere in between all of it. And uh, it's, it's dizzying. It truly is. You see, I worry about some of the things that have come up around it. Number one, of course, Tom DeLong and this nonsensical to the stars Academy for Arts and Sciences, which is a mixture of absurdity. But he got people like Christopher Mellon and Luis Elizondo involved before they left. And we're also looking here at a rock star with an inflated degree of self-importance. He seemed to think he knew everything about UFOs, but I've never seen in the writings I've heard of him say anything pertinent. So this entire To the Stars Academy thing is obviously uh, intriguing, especially to a lot of us younger people who grew up with Tom DeLonge. You know, I, I've been to countless Blink-182 concerts in my, my teenage years with all my friends, and he was, he was an icon to us. He truly was. And, you know, when I found out he was into UFOs as well, he became even more <laughs> of an icon. And I remember distinctly being at the UFO Congress and, uh, you know, chatting it up with a couple people there. And in the corner is this tall, lanky dude in the shadows. And lo and behold, it was Tom DeLong. And I asked everyone, what's he doing here? And, you know, the conference organizer said he's very interested in UFOs. He's really into it. And he's got some big plans. 
And lo and behold, I think it was a year later when we learned everything about To the Stars and the New York Times article came out. But you're right, Gene. You have an individual who, on the surface, to many who don't know what he's done in the music industry and whatnot, he comes off as kind of a goofball. And is that the poster child you want for ufology? I know a lot of people would beg to differ on that and um, struggle with that. But hey, there's no denying that he he made some waves and he really got the topic out there. And no matter what you think about him or his, his personal beliefs, he really shook up the conversation and got a lot of new people interested in a topic that they probably never would have thought about before. So again, I don't think we should be idolizing these individuals or believing everything they say, but I think we need to appreciate what they've done and and uh, what they hopefully will continue to do in many different ways. Kind of sad that John Lennon never did much about UFOs except for the line in one of his songs. <laughs> exactly. You know, I always walk by the Dakota thinking about his UFO sighting as well. When my wife was working with some arrangers in New York to set up a nightclub act, we'd always pass the Dakota and wondered whether we'd see John and Yoko walking outside. What a strange time. What a strange world that was. But the point being here that because a rock star happens to believe in UFOs, and we can name a number of them, it doesn't mean anything. Now, obviously, Tom DeLong tried to do something more with this To The Stars Academy. But the fact that his key people left doesn't augur well for the accomplishment. And I was given to understand that he was trying to move back into music. Yeah, I mean, I'm right now, literally, I am wearing a T-shirt of Tom DeLonge's other band, Angels versus Airwaves. And, you know, he's he's one of these guys, Gene, and I'm sure a lot of rock stars are this way. You know, they kind of get tunnel vision on one thing, and then um, they get interested in another thing. And that's kind of always been Tom DeLonge's M.O. He gets very passionate about something. He starts a side project. He does it, or he moves on. And, you know, what I think we're seeing is he had all these huge ambitious ideas of what he wanted this to the stars academy to be he compiled his team of advisors which was very credentialed and interesting and made some waves with it but you know i think he always goes back to the other true passion in his life and and that's music ryan sprague gene steinberg tim schwartz you're in the paracast listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com.
What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented Made in America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. The world is marking the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. President Biden and former Presidents Obama and Clinton attended the ceremony at the National 9-11 Monument in New York City. Mike Lowe's daughter was on the first flight that hit the World Trade Center. These 20 years have felt like both a long time and a short time. And as we recite the names of those we lost, my memory goes back to that terrible day when it felt like an evil specter had descended on our world. Foreign leaders sent messages honoring the fallen in the attacks. Citizens from more than 90 countries were also lost on that day. There was also an event at the Pentagon. A bell was rung as each name of the 184 people who died was read aloud. This is USA Radio News. For the first time in the Texas mask wars, Attorney General Ken Paxton is suing six school districts that have defied Governor Greg Abbott's ban on local masking orders. He said the schools were doing unlawful political maneuvering. The governor's executive order bars local officials from compelling people to wear masks. Until this week, Abbott and Paxton have been on defense as several school districts, cities, and counties in the state's major metropolitan areas have sued over the order or just outright ignored it. Some 85 school districts and six counties have instituted mask mandates of some kind in defiance of Abbott's ban, citing the need to protect school children too young to get the vaccine amid the spread of the highly contagious Delta variant of COVID-19. Abbott had called on Texas lawmakers to send him a bill that would, that would definitively stop school officials from requiring students, teachers, and other school employees to wear facial coverings. This is USA Radio News. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast the gold standard of paranormal radio. Tim Swartz has become an expert on doing the Paracast, and he's going to have a lot more to say. 
But we mentioned, of course, rock stars being interested in UFOs and sometimes making a few waves like Tom DeLonge did. But as you say, he gets interested in something and the interest doesn't last, doesn't persist. One of the things I wish we had done, but we didn't know about it when the Paracast was founded, was get a classic 60s rock star named Reg Presley mm-hmm. on the Paracast when he wrote a book on crop circles and UFOs. Problem, of course, is he died before we heard about it. Reg Presley, by the way, was lead singer of the Trogs. And, of course, their big hit was Wild Thing. Wild Thing written by Chip Taylor, who, of course, is the brother of John Voight and was co-owner of a recording studio in Westchester County, New York. And don't ask me why I mentioned that, except my wife used to do some stuff there. Anyway, we never met him. I talked to him on the phone a couple of times, Chip Taylor. But Reg Presley was typical of some 60s rockers who were into UFOs. Another Tommy James, of course. It is interesting, the parallels, I think, between the music world and this topic. You look at someone like Tim Beckley, or you look at, uh, there's going to be a show coming out in the next few weeks from Demi Lovato, the big pop star, who has a huge interest in UFOs, and went out there to investigate. And, And this happens you know, decade after decade, Post Malone is another one who recently went to Skinwalker Ranch and investigated there, you know, having had a UFO sighting in my hometown of Syracuse, New York, where Post Malone was born as well. He's always had a keen interest in this topic. Or again, you look at someone like Peter Robin's sister, Helen Wheels, the famous punk rock singer. There just seems to be something intrinsically linked between this topic and those in the rock and roll sphere. And I I do wonder, is this some sort of connection with artists that these phenomena tend to uh, gravitate towards or vice versa? I don't know, but it's a question worth asking. Well, Tim Beckley, as we know, knew some rock stars. And Tim Swartz will tell us, although I know, the name of the rock star that used the term Mr. UFO to refer to Beckley. Tim, who was that? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was uh, Ace Freely from uh, Kiss. The story goes that uh, Tim was uh, uh, backstage and uh, uh, Freely didn't know Beckley's name, so he just shouted out, hey, here comes Mr. UFO, and the name stuck. (laughs) (laughs) If I ever get that moniker of Mr. UFO, I feel like I will have finally made it in this strange community we call uh, UFO Twitter. (laughs) Do you really want to be called Mr. UFO, though? Not yet. I I still, Gene, pride myself on being one of the the younger people in the field. But hey, I'm not feeling it much anymore, man. I can tell you that much. I'm not one of the young ones. And that's actually kind of exciting to me as well, is seeing younger people getting involved in this topic. And look, if that had anything to do with Tom DeLonge and all this, the stuff he did, like, good on him. I, I've been trying to get younger people advocating for that to get involved in this topic for half of my young adult life. It's exciting to see the new community cropping up. And getting along, for the most part, with a lot of what we consider the quote-unquote old guard of ufology. But, you know, you will always have that gap between. And I I tend to uh, be, I think, that person right between 
the millennials and everyone who's now getting in, interested and the old guard. It, it's exciting times. I'm able to to look at it from both ends of the spectrum. Well, you know, I think that we can lay some of the blame <laughs> for younger generations becoming interested in UFOs onto uh, reality television. Now, I know mm. that I've gone and bashed some of these shows at times, but I think that if it wasn't for a lot of these programs that has come up over the years, now I know, you know, people like myself, we had Leonard Nimoy's show and uh, some of these other ones, you know, the X-Files, some people will say, got us interested. But now we have new generations who have seen these shows. So maybe there is something going on out there. Yeah, Tim, and that's such a good point. And hey, man, I bash those shows, too, and I'm on them. That's a, a sort of Jekyll and Hyde thing I struggle with every day. You know, I did a show called Mysteries Decoded, which is on the, the CW network, which is primarily a very young demographic, like ages, gosh, 13 to like 22 and mostly female look they asked me to do a show on their network about roswell and i said oh god what could possibly be left to be said about the roswell incident and the more i got involved with the show and i realized oh we're introducing this case to an entire new generation who's probably never even heard of the roswell ufo crash so right then and there i'm like there we go that's going to be a whole new demographic of people who now know about the Roswell incident can now go digging for themselves and find all of the information about it. So I think there is something to be said about some of these shows, entertainment or infotainment, as we like to call them, having a beneficial approach to this topic, again, getting younger people involved, but at the same time, muddying the waters as well when it mm. comes to the entertainment aspect of it. And that, hey, look. That's Hollywood. I don't think anyone should be getting all of their information from any of these television shows. I think you should be listening to guests. You should be reading books and find that, you know, again, the answer is always lay somewhere in between all of it. The CW, by the way, is, I think, starting to reach an older audience. And the reason I say that is because you have, for example, Supergirl, which I think reaches not just teens, but older people as well and some of their themes relate to some of the current news themes like immigration it's very big on supergirl they deal with it by having the immigrants be aliens from other planets and then of course there's superman and lois where you have superman after he's been doing this for 20 years he's a man in his late 30s or 40 he's been married to lois lane for years they have two teenage sons and it's a mixture of a family drama and a more adult superhero conflict where the special effects and even his uniform is taken from Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. So that's another thing about the CW. It is possibly just growing older with its audience, but also catering to that other group of people like oldsters like me. But we consider the, <laughs> the ages of the people that we deal with. Like last week in the show for which Kurt Collins was co-host, we had Jacques Vallée. Jacques is 83. I mean, you wouldn't believe it when you talked to him. He's 83. <laughs> Ryan Sprague is how old? Let's go with late 30s. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Okay, so you're less than half the age of Jacques Vallée. And I'm right. probably close to twice your age. <laughs> well, and hey, but these are the things that bring us together, Gene. You know, I've always had a mutual respect for, for you, for Jacques, and in age truly 
uh, doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't. One of my best friends in the world is Peter Robbins, who, again, is twice my age. But you would never think that when you hear us having these conversations at the diner about alien abductions. And and I love that. And I think the big thing, the important thing you bring up about uh, things like Superman and, and kind of what the CW is going for in their programming these days is a inclusivity. And um, and using that theme and how how it's always sort of been there. I mean, you go back to H.G. Wells and and War of the Worlds, and it was kind of this same idea of um, an other coming and us fearing that and not knowing what to do or how we would react. And at the time, you know, this was something H.G. Wells was dealing with when it came to colonialism colonialism and what he was trying to portray with that story and we've seen that played out in superman um and we see that play out in in the modern day version of roswell on the cw they have a fictional show uh, that is a reboot of the 90s version and it's the same thing it's about an immigrant family who lives in new mexico and is dealing with other immigrants from another star system We've yeah. got Ryan, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Oh, whale! Guys, whale! Wow, whale. Oh, that's a big whale. Um, okay. Whale, whale, whale. Oh, no! Whale! 
tides can turn quick on the water. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Get a quote today in as little as three minutes at progressive.com. Well, at least it wasn't a shark, am I right? <laughs> Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Angie's list is now Angie, and getting your to-do list done just got easier. Between back to school and with the holidays around the corner, it can feel like there's no time to tackle home projects. Whether you need help with emergency repairs or major upgrades, Angie matches you with top local pros who can get the job done right. Browse reviews, see upfront pricing, and instantly book hundreds of projects. Save time for what matters most. Book your next project at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Hey folks, Tom D for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual. And this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. This is me, the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Exactly according to my plan. Ryan Sprague is author of Somewhere in the Skies, and what that means is it's a second edition of the book, which is published four years after the first. In putting the new version together, what changes did you make? The only time I ever bought like a second edition of a book would, was in college, you know, when you were forced to buy the third, fifth, tenth edition of a book and spend your life savings. That was kind of always in the back of my mind when I decided to do this second edition. Uh, I wanted to make it worth people's time. So the first book came out in 2016 through Richard Dolan's publishing company, and uh, I was still very new to the field. You know, a lot has happened since 2016 and 2020, you know, specifically the entire New York Times story and how that really changed the perception of this topic in the mainstream. So I wanted to revisit that entire thing, this change in how the public looks at this topic and infuse it into the book. So in the first book, you know, I interviewed hundreds of witnesses and claimed experiencers and how these events impacted their lives. So in the new version, I revisited a lot of the older stories and wanted to see what's changed. You know, a lot of the times we hear about these events and then that's it. We never hear about it again. We never see the growth or the exploration of the individual who's had this experience. So I wanted to focus on that in the new one. I wanted to bring new cases to the table. And ultimately, I wanted to introduce the world to some of these people involved with these Navy encounters, uh, specifically Kevin Day, 
the chief radar operator during the Tic Tac event, and how this event impacted him as a human being. Not so much a Navy or military person, but as a human. That was always the focus of my work, is focusing on the people having the experiences, how they interpret it, how they integrate it into their lives, and you know, ultimately what that might say about the phenomenon we're dealing with. So the book came out last year, and it was... 80,000 new words, practically a new book. And I'm just so happy that it was so well received. And I'm still getting emails some year later about it with new people coming forward and feeling empowered to finally tell their UFO stories. So I feel like I've contributed something to the UFO topic. You have a different publisher this time. I do. I'm working with a newer publishing company called Beyond the Fray. And uh, it's been amazing. Uh, So much freedom to really explore what I want. And they do a lot of similar things. You know, they've worked with uh, cryptozoologists, paranormal investigators, ufologists, you name it, they're covering it. It's a new company, but one I'm really proud to kind of have been on the ground floor with. So, yeah, I'm excited to keep working with them. I'm looking here now to bring up this company as to potential guests for future episodes. Absolutely. They have a plethora of authors who I'm sure would love to explore these topics with you. And again, like I know the Paracast steps steps outside of the realm of UFOs all the time. And I think that's refreshing and important. We get so focused on this one thing, UFOs, that I tend to forget there's a lot of other weird stuff going on out there. And it might possibly even be connected. Who's to say? Uh, It might be. I'm just looking at the titles of the books here. Like, for example, Phantom... Black dogs, walkers of the liminal way, whoa, <laughs> winged cryptids, huh. Really interesting. And again, you know, I, I talked to a 14 researcher a couple of weeks ago who made some really interesting connections between those witnessing UFOs and then having sightings of winged humanoids or uh, poltergeist activity in their home after having had a UFO sighting hours prior. So again, you truly have to wonder, are they related or is this all just by chance? I tend to think there's something linked between all of this stuff going on. I love the stories that you uh, uncovered for your book. How did you go around, go about uh, uncovering uh, these people? Because the majority of them just really seem to be just you know your average uh, you know Joe on the uh, street who not interested in uh, uh, publicity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. I really went out of my way to uh, bring new cases. Uh, You know, there's very few cases in either of the editions of the book that have really been out there that they haven't been on TV. They haven't been in books. So this was brand new to a lot of readers and researchers into this field out there, as it was for the witnesses as well. I, I the big thing that I wanted to make clear to these people in the book is I want to use your real name. And that's tough for a lot of people, you know. Mm-hmm. Pseudonym is the buzzword in ufology, and it always sort of has been for for many. But these are people who are willing to put their reputation on the line and put their real names out there and say they saw something. And like you said, these are people in all walks of life. I went all over the country meeting these people, or you know, I'd meet them on Skype or or email and. 
you know, have endless conversations into the night. So it really was a mix of how I came to them or they came to me. But the thing I always focused on was, uh, you know, new cases, new stories and contributing something new to the con- overall conversation. So, yeah, that was a big uh, rewarding experience for me, not only hearing these stories, but just meeting meeting new people. Uh, that's that's something I love about this field. You know, we might never truly get the answers, but we meet some incredible people along the way who might just open our eyes to something we've never really looked into. There was one case in um, Cayuga Falls, Ohio, at a drive-in that uh, was pretty particularly fascinating to me uh, because I've heard this same scenario come out before uh, in in other cases. Do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about that one? Sure, yeah. I mean, this is actually one of my favorite cases that I cover in both editions. Uh, that one happened to a gentleman named Scott Santa. He was a, um, a radio man in the Coast Guard. And uh, back in 74, he had a very dramatic... Delta-shaped or Chevron-shaped UFO sighting over a drive-in movie theater of all places. And like you said, I've come across many other cases where where this happened as well over a drive-in movie theater. And, um, you know, the first time I heard his story, it really stunned me. You know, they're in this big parking lot and uh, this craft comes over the theater. All the electricity goes out. No one's cars would start. Very close encounters of the third kind going on. Um, and this thing floated over the parking lot of the theater and disappeared into a you know a field off in the distance. Boom. All the lights come back on. People's cars start. But the thing about this case, Tim, that always struck me was the uh, the reaction by those who saw this? Nobody did anything. No one left. No one talked about what just happened. Everyone just kind of got in their cars, watched the movie, and it was almost as if the event never happened. And that really struck me when I talked to Scott. Like, what are you talking about? Nobody, like, did anything about it? He's like, dude, I didn't remember this thing happening till many years later. I saw, like, a UFO picture on a book and it triggered the memory and it all came back so of course you know being an investigator i said well i need to talk to other people who saw this i only have your word that this happened and he could not provide that he he nobody else came forward there were no reports in the newspapers about this thing happening so it was tough man and you run into that all the time in this field of um no corroborative evidence or, or witnesses to an event so all I had was Scott's word on this until the updated version of the book. After someone read about his story in 2016, I got an email from a woman who was in the same area, same time, and says she saw what Scott saw. So again, if that's all that comes from putting that book out is a witness finally can say, I'm not crazy. I didn't make this up. I saw something extraordinary and I can talk to someone else about it. There you go. Just someone to relate to. Well, having, of course, another witness gives you a better flavor of what really happened because you have different people with different interpretations, and sometimes they can be vastly different. Absolutely. And, you know, the big thing about this case was both this woman who came forward many years later and Scott is that they didn't remember it happening, Gene. There was like this instant amnesia. And we've heard this in many other cases as well. Um, I spoke to a few witnesses of the Phoenix Lights who had a, a similar experience. They saw 
what they perceived to be a V-shaped craft, and um, it then it just disappeared out of their memory. They didn't remember it until years later. So you do have to wonder what's going on. What what sort of control mechanism, as Jacques Vallée would say, do these craft or these intelligence possess where they can immediately say, yep, we're floating over you, but damned if you're going to remember it happening. <laughs> hey, we got more to come with Ryan Sprague and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR. DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, simulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The many voices of Tim Swartz. Ryan Sprague joining us. Interesting you should mention this. Someone has an experience, and they don't recall it until years later. But through hypnotic regression, or it just pops into their minds? A lot of them seem to be trigger memories. You know, that's a pattern I did find in a lot of the research I did. It wasn't being put under hypnosis. Uh, it was literally a, a photo. It was a sound. It was a smell. Something that reminded them of what happened in that moment. Again, for Scott, it was a picture of a UFO on a, I believe it was the Rupelt book when he came out with his book after Project Blue Book. 
And for others, it could be a scent in the air, you know, that reminds them of what the craft smelled like that they claimed to have been aboard when they were abducted. It goes on and on and on. And I have a whole section in the book dedicated to those hypnotherapists who work with these individuals, a process which I find highly controversial, uh, but I do tackle it. Whether I think it's actual memories or things that have been put into their minds or led by the, the therapists themselves, I cannot say. For anyone who asks me personally, should they go to a hypnotherapist to try to retrieve these memories? I tell them no. I tell them go to an actual therapist. If you actually want help, go to an actual therapist. And that's not to disparage those who have dedicated their lives to doing things like that. People like Kathleen Martin or Yvonne Smith, but I personally don't feel that it's, you know, the responsibility of me, someone just trying to relay stories to say, yes, go to this individual and dig up these memories. Uh, that's only for you to decide. Now, the cases involved, are they almost always abduction related when this happens, where something happens to them or appears to happen to them and the memory comes back quite some time later. Always abductions? Not always. No. In fact, I mean, I only have, I think, two or three chapters in the book dedicated to abductions. Most of them are actually just UFO sightings and close encounters and, and an alarming amount, Gene, actually, where they had these trigger memories. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's just the abduction phenomenon, you know, a lot of people think it's because it's such a traumatic experience that, of course, your mind is going to black that out and put it to the darkest corners where it can stay. But for a lot of these other people, it was as simple as light in the sky or seeing a triangular shaped craft over your home. That can have just as much as a both psychological and physical impact as <laughs> having been abducted. It, it truly can for some people. The same thing happened to uh, uh, Greg Bishop, of all people. He was in his car one time and saw an extremely unusually shaped object in the air. He said that he could have taken this road and gotten a lot closer to it, but his reaction was more like, oh, that's weird, and then just drove on home and forgot about the incident for a while. So there must be something going on with these sightings that, that create almost like an amnesia event. Right. And I remember specifically another individual in the book who who spoke about uh, Mike Clellan, as I'm sure you, you guys are familiar with, had sure. an experience where he woke up in the middle of the night, looked out his window. What does he see? Three small beings walking towards his house, just out there in the woods. And, you know, any, I think, rational person would grab a bat or, uh, you know, call the cops. Something was about to happen. But what happened? Mike says in his own mind, it's, all he remembers is thinking, I need to go back to sleep. Mm. I just need to go back to sleep right now. And he did. So, again, yeah, Tim, I agree. There's something going on where whatever these phenomena represent, they have they have the ability to mess with our our minds, our emotions, and, and everything in between. And that can be very troubling. It can be very troubling for many people. You're reporting about the experiences of others. Ryan, what about you? Anything really weird happened to you? Except for being on the show, of course. Of course. Always, Gene. <laughs> um, 
you know, I did have a UFO sighting uh, in 1995, which kind of set me on this path. I saw a triangular-shaped craft uh, over the St. Lawrence River in central New York with my father, who has corroborated the story and, and was there and saw this with me. And we still have midnight phone calls where we talk about that night and what we saw. And then my only other experience that I can really uh, say that was unexplained was with uh, Paul Kimball and Greg Bishop, of all people. I was in the middle of Nova Scotia, and I had what I would consider my first and only real brush with uh, what I believe was the supernatural. And uh, I can elaborate if you'd like, but yeah, it was a very um, emotional ride, for sure. Oh, yeah, elaborate. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Definitely. Um, <laughs> so me, Greg, Paul, Micah Hanks, you know, we were all up in Nova Scotia to do a, a conference. Paul was our gracious host and brought us to uh, the Queens County Museum in Liverpool, Nova Scotia, that is supposedly haunted. So, you know, we went into this thing as ufologists going to a ghost hunt. So we were having a good time, you know, kind of um, seeing how that world works. And... um there was this one room in this museum called the activity room where you would leave your kids to play while they, the parents went into the museum. And supposedly it was haunted by several spirits of young children. So I'm in this room. I'm with the paranormal investigators. They're, you know, using all their their gadgets and gizmos, trying to uh, gizmos and gadgets, excuse me, and uh, and see what they could find. And we use this ghost box. You know, this thing that flips through radio frequencies in half a second. And, you know, if, if anything comes through, uh, you can string words together that might make a sentence that might be a spirit communicating with you. So I wasn't really, you know, I was skeptical of it at first. But what really struck me is as we were speaking, quote unquote, to this little girl that uh, supposedly haunted the room, we heard a whimper coming through the ghost box consistently. Now, this shouldn't really happen as it is brushing through frequencies at a very rapid pace, but we heard a very singular and um, very disturbing young whimper. So we thought, hey, it's a kid. Maybe they're scared. Let's get on the ground, get to their level and try to keep talking. So we did. We sit down. We're in this pitch black room and we're all just listening for anything. And I specifically remember being in the corner and I'm sitting cross-legged and I feel my knees hit the ground and I couldn't really explain why, you know, I wasn't tired. I didn't slip, nothing like that. I felt like a weight was in my lap, like something had jumped into my lap, put their hands around my neck because I could feel fingers clasped behind my neck and just sitting there hugging me, you know, saying, it's okay. I'm here. What do you, what do you want to know? And of course, you know, never having had that experience before, I kind of freaked out. And I remember, you know, reeling back, hitting my head on a, uh, a board behind me and then feeling the weight lift off and leave the room. And I look up and there's Greg Bishop. He's in the doorway of the room. And I watched him right when I kind of, you know, recovered from hitting my head. I look up and Greg goes to the side of the doorframe. Like something had just happened. So I immediately spring up and I go up to Greg, who, again, is can be pretty skeptical of a lot of this stuff. I'm like, why did you do that? What, what, what made you do that impulsively? He said, I felt like something had to leave that room in that moment. I can't tell you why, but that's what I felt. So 
that was it for me. Um, I felt like whatever this spirit was sat in my lap, ran out of the room, and Greg's felt it as well. And, you know, we've had conversations over the years trying to string this whole event together. But uh, it really it really affected me. Again, coming from a ufologist, um, now I had this whole other world opened up to me. And I was um, that I probably had that door closed for a really long time. I'm going to ask you a question here because we talked about show business people getting involved in UFOs. You're a playwright. Have you thought or have you already written something UFO or paranormal related? You can answer that question on the other side. Ryan Sprague joins us. He's got out there a book, Somewhere in the Skies, second edition. Tim Swartz is our guest co-host. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. What will you do if there's a sudden food shortage? Given recent headlines, it seems likely, and at any moment. That's why it makes common sense to build your emergency food storage supply now while you still can. Do it with the kind of food that stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. Food that doesn't go bad like what you get at the grocery store. Whose food should you trust? The largest preparedness company in America, My Patriot Supply. We've served millions of American families going on 14 years. At MyPatriotSupply.com, our mission is your survival. Our emergency food could definitely be your lifesaver when the peanut butter hits the fan. Choose from dozens of delicious meal kits that provide over 2,000 calories a day, which is what your body needs. Order today, and your food will ship fast in unmarked boxes to protect your privacy. Don't wait. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. MyPatriotSupply.com Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. 
Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? It only takes about 30 seconds. The MacTech carbine upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. The thousands of voices of Tim Swartz regaling us guest co-hosts this week. We also, next week, by the way, we're going to have Stan Gordon, on the Paracast, Tim will be with us there, too. Ryan Sprague, as a playwright, have you done anything UFO and or paranormal related? I'm so glad you asked me that. I don't get to talk about my playwriting often, Gene, on, on shows like this. So, um, yeah, thank you for asking that. So, yes. He sent me a check I... to do it, by the way. Just want to tell you. <laughs> it's in the mail. It is in the mail. Um, That's what they all say. I... Yep, I know. Never comes. I worked with Peter Robbins, again, my mentor in the theater world and the UFO world. He grew up here in New York and worked with some of the most famous acting coaches and directors in show business. I wanted to write the play of Left at East Gate, his journey with Larry Warren, his co-author of Left at East Gate. With the Rendlesham case. Now, again, as we spoke about earlier, that entire thing kind of um, imploded. So I had to then say, okay, what do I do? How do I continue with this? So for me, I decided, you know, while I might not write the story of the definitive story of Rendlesham for the stage, I want to write about how this event would have affected one of the witnesses involved. So I kind of created an amalgamation of all these witnesses from the the Rendlesham event and made it into a one-man show where they just recall what happened to them in the woods that night and what was the aftermath, how did it affect their life after. It was about a 20-minute play. It premiered of all nights on Halloween about seven years ago now in New York City, and people loved it. They absolutely loved it. So I knew there was something there, Gene. I knew that the topic of UFOs hadn't really been 
approached in the world of theater. So I, I'm still working on it. I, that, that's probably my most successful thing having to do with UFOs in theater right now is the one man play, but I'm also working on a movie based on that as well. And I'm also working on an adaptation of a book out there that has to do with the entire disinformation side of all of the UFO stuff. You know, when it comes to people like um, Paul Benowitz and, and stories of that nature and how that affects people who get so entrenched into this topic and how ultimately it can really mess you up in a lot of different ways, a cautionary tale, as it were. So, yes, I'm always uh, mixing my worlds of theater and UFOs and, and bring it to a medium that it's never really seen, and that's the live stage. Well, I was just, just going to say, now, it wasn't UFO-related, but uh, you actually had a, uh, a play that was made into a movie. I did, Tim, yes. Uh, so, again, that's kind of how I approach my UFO work in the beginning is – I want to focus on people. Um, as a playwright, I was trained to focus on people. That was my job. You know, I, I was the guy at uh, the bar or at a party in the corner just observing and listening to people and trying to see you know, how they react. I kind of took that into my UFO work. I wanted to focus on characters. What changes a person? That's the first thing you're taught in playwriting is why are we being put into this character's life right now? You know, that has to be this has to be a pivotal moment in their life for us to want to follow them. And I said to myself, hey, UFO event could be a very pivotal part of someone's life and change them drastically. So, again, that's why I decided to focus on characters in this field of ufology and obviously in playwriting. So besides doing that in my UFO work, a movie I had made of one of my plays had to do with a woman dealing with tragedy during Hurricane Katrina. And it actually stemmed from a conversation I had with a woman who lost someone during Hurricane Katrina. I was in New Orleans at the time. And I decided I wanted to write her story. You know, what do you do? How do you move on from something like that? You know, there's whispers of that in the world we live in today and probably one of the most interesting and tragic times in history of this pandemic. So I think that's one thing we can all relate to is dealing with love, loss, pain, these very human things. So, yes, I had a movie made based on my play, and I'm hoping it's not the last either. Tell us more about the movie. Is this something released already? Not yet. It's had a very bumpy ride the past few years in terms of distribution and whatnot, Gene. Um, but we're hoping to have it out on the typical streaming services, Amazon, Vimeo, even very soon. So, yeah, we're just dealing with all the legal mumbo jumbo right now and how to deal with that. And nobody told us. And I don't think a lot of independent filmmakers know this, but when you put these things out on Amazon and whatnot, you have to provide your own closed captioning and transcriptions and things like that. So while everything we thought was done, now we have to have the entire movie transcribed and, and put out there for individuals with um, a disability who may not be able to hear and whatnot. And that's very important. And I think something that's not thought about a lot. So um, hopefully within the next year or so, people will be able to see uh, the film called Reverie Lane showing up on their screens. I hope. Well, it's like, for example, with the recording artist, the recording company will deduct the cost of production from their royalties. Absolutely. You know, that was another big thing, too. 
this was completely independently made. You know, we did crowdfunding and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like if you if you think you're going to come out making a profit on anything in the show in show business, you're usually sorely mistaken. So <laughs> it was a lot of blood, sweat, tears and and debt included in making that movie. But it was a passion of mine. It always has been and it always will be. So I'm willing to uh, take those hits financially just to um contribute something to the world, whether it's through art or ufology. And remember, the only ones who make money are the production companies. Yeah, Movie exactly. companies make the money. People like Amazon make the money. Netflix makes the money, Paramount Plus. But the artists, the producers, never. Even if you have some kind of back-end deal that if the movie makes money, you get a piece of the action. And I think one of the most notorious examples goes back to an old TV series called Rockford Files with James Garner. It was one of the network's most successful TV shows. But at the end of the day, it never made money. The late Sean Connery, you think, oh my God, this guy's got to be rich as anything, right? Well, he was notorious for suing movie companies for being deprived of money for his various movies. Even to go back to some of the older classic artists, Boris Karloff, the famous horror movie actor, Visual Frankenstein's monster. Years later, his daughter, Sarah Karloff, was suing Universal and other companies because they made so much money from the merchandising of his character. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing that today with... Uh you know, Scarlett Johansson dealing with Disney and suing them because half of her salary was going to come from the back end of movie theater tickets bought. And a lot of actors make these deals because they can often make more money doing that. But lo and behold, you know, they said, yep, your movie Black Widow is going to be out in theaters and you'll make a ton of money off of that. And what does Disney do? They put it out on their new Disney Plus streaming service instead of out in the theaters. Ryan Sprague, Gene Steinberg, Tim Schwartz, you're in. The Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. 
the nation is marking the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. At the National Memorial Site in New York City, there was a moment of silence at the exact time the first plane hit the World Trade Center. President Biden and his wife Jill were there, also President Clinton and Hillary, and President Obama with Michelle. President Biden also visited the Flight 93 Memorial near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and he also made a stop at the Pentagon. Vice President Harris spoke in Shanksville. If we remain united in purpose, we will be prepared for whatever comes next. Former President George W. Bush also spoke in Shanksville. Former President Trump spoke in New York at a firehouse and a police station. This is USA Radio News. Leaders from around the world are also marking the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. USA Radio's Brad Bernards has more. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said the 9-11 terrorists failed to shake our belief in freedom and democracy. On a crystal clear morning, terrorists attacked the United States with the simple goal of killing or maiming as many human beings as possible. And by inflicting such bloodshed, In the world's greatest democracy, they tried to destroy the faith of free peoples everywhere, in the open societies which terrorists despise and which we cherish. Prince Andrew has been formally served with court papers in the sexual abuse lawsuit filed against him by Jeffrey Epstein accuser Virginia Gouffray. The documents were handed over to a police officer watching over Prince Andrew's home in Windsor. He has 21 days to respond. Prince Andrew has repeatedly denied the allegations. You're listening to USA Radio News. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. Opening a My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal record and interactive tools tailored for you. You can see if you are eligible to receive benefits view spousal benefit estimates, and compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates when you want to start receiving benefits. Already receiving benefits? Use your account to change your address, set up or change direct deposit, get a proof of income letter, and more. In most states, you can also request a replacement social security card. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Yes, that's the thing here, too. Never trust the Hollywood studios, because even if they distribute it the way you want it, say they wanted to distribute this Marvel superhero movie in movie theaters, we understand the problems now. She wouldn't make any money, or she would make money, but not nearly as much as she might have expected. Exactly. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard for actors. You know, we look at them as like these perfect you know, embodiments of everything and they're rich and they're famous and all that. But it can be tough navigating those sorts of things. I've seen it personally happen here in New York. I work on Broadway and it's the same thing. You know, uh, you bite and you scratch and you claw to make a living. 
And that even goes for a lot of these big stars that we see in all these movies. It's a whole other world that we we know a lot of us out there don't really know a lot about. So, yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate in many respects. But it was also a big learning lesson for me with my movie. So, uh, yeah, again, I hope it'll be able to come out soon. And I hope there won't be any lawsuits involved with any of the actors in my movie. <laughs> well, you know, if you watch a lot of these TV series filmed in New York, like Law and Order SVU or Blue Bloods, a lot of the supporting actors are Broadway stars, but they're not making yeah. enough money from Broadway, so they do a TV spot and they make whatever the payment is to do a segment on a TV show. Absolutely. It's so funny, Gene. I feel like I trip over uh, all these shows here in New York, whether it's Law and Order. CSI, Blue Bloods, you name it. I live in Queens, and a lot of those shows are shot out here. We have a lot of the the big budget studios actually located in Queens. So every other day, our block is uh, our neighborhood is blocked off for the filming of the new Spider Man movie or another episode of Law and Order or SVU, and it's exciting. Like I, I can't pretend that it's not cool, but at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting how those things work and um, a lot of what goes into it. I love it. I, I remember specifically there was a warning sent out to everyone in Queens saying there's going to be some loud explosions in the borough, so just be ready. And we're like, what What does this mean? Lo and behold, they were shooting scenes for, uh, I think it was the first Spider-Man movie out of the new ones that came out. So, yeah, that that never gets old to me. I've been in New York for about 10 years now, but I, I love tripping onto a movie set without really even knowing I've done it sometimes. <laughs> well, another show based in New York, I don't know that they can do any external shots because it's a period piece, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes. Yeah, that's one I haven't been able to catch yet. But God, what a what a cool time period. I sometimes think I was born in the wrong uh, generation, Gene. Um, things like that really speak to me. So, um, yeah, yeah, I hope to see that one soon. But, you know, we got a lot of those speakeasies still around here in New York, which is really cool. You know, you walk into a uh, a hot dog stand. Uh, specifically one I'm remembering here in New York. You go into a phone booth. They still have a phone booth in this hot dog stand. You pick up the phone, you type in a code, and the door opens, and you are transported into another world, a world of Prohibition-style drinks and, and people dressed in period clothing. And it's so cool. It's such a cool experience for anyone who hasn't been to New York. I, I'd highly suggest checking those out if you can. And by the way, those of you who have Amazon Prime, watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Now, remember, this is very much about Jewish families in New York in the 50s and 60s. But the star, Rachel Brosnahan, it just owns the screen. Whatever she does after this show, I think she's going to be a star. Absolutely. I'm, well, I'm wishing her all the best with that. It's not easy especially for females out there. You have such a short shelf life when it comes to the, the entertainment industry, unfortunately. And it's a very hypocritical thing, you know. You could be, you know, an everyday Joe Schmo on the street and get on television. But for women, it's not that easy sometimes. So uh, I give them all the credit for stepping into an industry that uh, can be very harsh sometimes. But it seems she is uh, doing pretty well for herself. And it's rightfully so. She deserves it. Now, of course, the creator, co-creator of the show, Amy Palladino, 
who was also responsible for Gilmore Girls. She is a totally nutty woman. But if you've ever seen her being interviewed. But the point being here is I wonder if they've seen any UFOs. Wouldn't that be fun? You have a period show like the 50s and 60s. And this here, of course, is about a stand-up comic. A traditional Jewish housewife becomes a stand-up comic. But what if she saw a UFO? Would they do an episode on something like that? Would that be an interesting variation? It's funny, you know, a lot of the the TV shows I'm involved with, you know, there's so much downtime. I think, you know, that's what Hollywood is. You you sit there for 10 hours waiting to film for a couple minutes that might make it on the screen. So there's a lot of time to just hang out and talk to people. And so many of the cameramen, the crew, the directors, when we do these UFO shows, I can't tell you, I never have a moment to just breathe grab a snack or, or relax because everyone has a story to tell. And I'm the, um, the Mr. UFO to them, as it were. And it's incredible. I love it. You, everyone has a story. And that's what I love about this topic. No matter what you think it is or what it might be, everyone seems to have a story to tell when it comes to a lot of these different uh, esoteric or enigmatic topics. And I love it. I love hearing them. That, again, I'm a person of stories. So, yeah. I also wonder, too, and we've talked about this in the Paracast, as you probably know, whether more people involved in the creative arts tend to see strange things. I think so. Like we mentioned earlier with the musicians, I really think there's something about that imagination aspect to all this that really resonates with the phenomena and vice versa. And, you know, there were even cases in my book where I talked to individuals who had no interest in art, none whatsoever, very technical, nuts and bolts sort of people. And after having a UFO event, suddenly start painting, suddenly start writing music, something they had never studied or known how to do. And something is just unlocked in them where they're able to now harness these skills that seemingly came out of nowhere. It's really interesting, Gene. And and I think that is these phenomena nudging people being like, hey, try this. You know, if you only got one life here, give this a try. I don't know. You know, I can't say. But I had many people who came to me and either became artists after an event or were artists before. You wonder here whether the center of the brain that handles the creative aspects of your personality is also what is sensitive to this phenomenon. I think so. I think there's something to that. I do. You know, that is an interesting point because you hear these stories about people who have had um, head injuries, who may have never had any uh, interest in science or mathematics, but then after uh, recovering, they become just like uh, uh, super geniuses. So, you know, it it makes you wonder whether or not uh, the phenomena that we've been uh, talking about, the energies that are involved may not also uh, be responsible for affecting these same regions of the brain that uh, some of these, uh, you know, other cases of uh, of physical injuries uh, come about. Tim, that's such an interesting idea, and I, I'm so happy you brought that up because recently I I started researching uh, the story of Dorothy Eadie. Mm-hmm. Are either of you familiar with that story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, tell our listeners. Young, tell our listeners. Sure. You know, at age three, this young girl in England uh, fell down a flight of stairs and 
had severe head trauma. And even worse, the doctor came and pronounced her dead. And when the doctor went down to tell the parents, they came back back up to her bedroom where they uh, they laid her out. And lo and behold, she's on the bed playing with her toys. So they were a little freaked out. You know, they were just told that their daughter was dead, but nope, there she is on the bed playing. And she's also speaking another language. And like you said, Tim, there are cases, and I believe there's even a term like foreign language syndrome, Mm -hmm. where someone can suddenly start speaking a language they never learned, they were never taught due to head trauma. We got a break here now with Ryan, Tim, and Gene. You're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Yes, the pandemic is coming to an end. Restrictions are coming to an end. But body aches and pains never seem to end. That's why you need to click sunny-bay.com for the best sleep you can get. Sunny Bay's legendary products can help, like our lavender stress-reducing products, locally sourced and handmade in the USA. Or try Sunny Bay's award-winning pillows for traveling or extra neck support while sleeping. No need for pills or expensive chiropractic visits. Our neck support pillows are that good. Sunny Bay is a homegrown small business, but our products are designed and rigorously tested based on your demand and feedback. And they make great gifts for mom, dad, or anyone. Find Sunny Bay products on Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, or at sunny-bay.com. And right now, get free heat patches and a belt with any purchase. So remember, Sunny Bay heating pads, neck pillows, and stress-relieving hot or cold wraps as restrictions come to an end and you get back to work. Do it the healthy way with Sunny Bay. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran 
nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Yes, a head injury. You know, when a head injury occurs, people think it results in a loss of your abilities. Or so this is something versa. quite different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this story of Dorothy Eady, you know, head trauma at age three. And she began speaking with an accent and believed that, uh, well, here's something. A couple years later, her parents brought her to a museum in England, and there was an exhibit on ancient Egypt. And Dorothy runs up to all of these statues and, and, and images that were there and said to her parents, these are my people. This is where I'm from, you know, and they're kind of looking at her like, uh, why, what's going on here? You know, as the years went on, Dorothy began to explain to people that she was the reincarnated spirit of a ancient Egyptian priestess. And lo and behold, as the years went on and on, a lot of Egyptologists would go on to test Dorothy and, and whatnot, and being completely mystified by the knowledge that she had of ancient Egypt, to the point where she saw images of a temple and was able to say exactly where certain things were within the temple. This temple, mind you, had never been opened to the public before, and nothing about the inside had been published anywhere to her knowledge or to uh, you know the other Egyptologist's knowledge, but she was able to pinpoint with accuracy where a certain image was in the tomb or the temple and where something, where a door was, or that there was a garden at the Abydos temple in Egypt. She said, this is where our garden was. It was beautiful. It was lush. And they were like, eh, I don't think so. And lo and behold, the more they dug, they found out that that's where this huge pristine garden was back in ancient Egypt. And a very interesting story. You know, she would go on to become one of the brightest and most knowledgeable people on ancient Egypt. And she never studied at school, at a college about it. Nothing. 
She claimed to have been the reincarnated spirit of a priestess, and this all stemmed back to the head trauma that she had when she was a kid. Yeah, we've seen uh, 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 cases in ufology where people have claimed that uh, you know they committed suicide, and then their uh, body was then taken over by the spirit of an extraterrestrial. I can think of uh, several Venusians that uh, supposedly you know came to the Earth plane using that method, which brings me to. Right now, we have the discussion about UFOs. You know, you've got the the, the whole Navy incidents, Tic Tacs, and a lot of the coverage that that I have been seeing, the discussion is either extraterrestrial spaceships or secret government, governments, experiments, black budget aircraft or anything like that. But as we well know, the the UFO phenomena varies so wildly that you really cannot narrow it down to just two items. I mean, you know, why do you think that right now that's that's what the media is attempting to to do? You know, it's it, it has to be one or the other. There's nothing in between. Because it's easy. I honestly think that Tim, it's easy for the the mainstream media to latch onto one thing. And run with it. And um, that almost seems offensive, <laughs> you know, to the public that that's the only things we can talk about when it comes to UFOs, where you, me and Gene know full well that we're not dealing with just one source or one intelligence when it comes to any of this. So for me, I think it really comes down to, you know, what the public is able to digest and what the mainstream media thinks the public can digest. And again, we're dealing with a lot of this stuff just within the military, you know, a very regimented sort of uh, lens on all of this. So they're looking at all of this as a potential threat, as they should be. That is their job, in my personal opinion. But we know full well that a lot of UFO sightings and uh, claimed encounters are not a potential threat in the eyes of the observer or the experiencer. So you have that juxtaposition happening always. So I think what we're seeing right now is a narrative that has been carefully and strategically uh, presented in the past few years. And you could draw that back to the 2017 article where we learned of the top secret Pentagon program and the most vocal of individuals being those who worked within that program or worked within government. So again, I think again, yeah, that we, we will always go back to the idea that we're either dealing with top secret human tech or aliens. And for me, I can't accept either of those as just the simple answer. We all know that there's a lot of different things going on, and that's why I actually really enjoy this new term, UAP. It really broadens the scope of what we're dealing with uh, instead of the Air Force coin term UFO. We're dealing with something far stranger and much more complex than just an unidentified object in the sky. So while I think right now we're seeing a lot of very – grounded approaches to this where we're dealing with drones or rival nation or top secret tech or or even aliens uh i think the answers are far more complex than that but maybe we're just not ready yet maybe the government does know more than they're letting on or maybe they don't but i think as time progresses and the topic of UFOs becomes more normal, as I think we're seeing. It's okay to talk about it now, according to the U.S. 
government and Pentagon, it's okay to report these things, we will start to see a gradual shift. And then we can move to the weirder stuff, you know, the abductions, the close encounters, the possible connections to the paranormal. Maybe one day we'll finally have congressional hearings on not just the UFO topic, but uh, the paranormal and cryptozoological as well. I can't tell you, but um, I hope I live to see all of that happen. I truly do. It does seem to be interesting right now, like you said, how the uh, uh, the military uh, seems to be a lot more open with that. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, UFOs are uh, you know uh, are an actual thing. We don't know what's going on, but yeah, they're they're an actual thing, which you know always makes me think that they're <laughs> they're up to something. They're they're trying to um, set us up for a big fall. Right. And that is a valid concern, Tim. And I, you know, I have those concerns as well. Uh, you, you truly have to wonder what is the impetus for all this? Uh, why did this Pentagon report come out? And, um, you know, we know that it came from pressure from uh, Christopher Mellon, you know, who worked with the Senate Intelligence Committee and Luis Elizondo as well, and pressuring our government to finally look into this in a serious way. And we know that's happened in the past. Uh, maybe not to this level. Um, if you look at things like Blue Book and whatnot, which kind of whitewashed the entire thing, I do think we, we're seeing a shift in at least the acknowledgement by the U.S. government. And again, that's one government. That's one nation dealing with this topic. We tend to forget there's a whole world out there uh, experiencing these phenomena. But here in America right now, it seems, yeah, we're dealing with a nuts and bolts uh, potential threat, and we need to look into that, and we need to tell our servicemen and women to report it when they see it. And that wasn't the case, you know, two, three years ago. You didn't talk about it. You didn't report it. And now it's mandated that they must report it. And um, I do find that interesting, and it's exciting in some ways, but like you said, you have to wonder what the end game is. And a lot of people think this is just a way to – up the military budget if we keep throwing the word threat in front of it. Or um, maybe this is some early PR for Space Force. Um, it, look, the, the, the theories are endless, and everyone's got their own thoughts and opinions on it. The fact that we're having a serious discussion about it within our government, with our congresspeople, our senators, our, our military, I think is a big step. It, it's more than they've done in the past. I don't know where it's heading or where it might, but um, I'm along for the ride. And I, like I tell everyone, that's one aspect of all of this, the military angle. There, For every military UFO encounter getting reported or talked about, there's a hundred civilians out there having these experiences every day. And that should be part of the data that the government is trying to collect. I, I honestly believe that. Well, of course, you have to look at the military budget right now. We've given up on the Afghanistan war. So the money, the hundreds of billions of dollars spent on that effort, okay, what do you do with it? Do you lower the military budget? Because the military budget in the U.S. is the equivalent of like the next 10 countries combined. So what do you do with it? What's the next threat that you go after? If you can't invade a country and keep a force there, what do you do? Do you create the possibility that maybe we're being invaded by E.T.? And therefore, we have to equip, as you said, a space force, equip a space force to fight or be prepared for a possible encounter 
with entities from other planets. We've got a lot more to come with Ryan Sprague. He'll also be in after the Paracast this weekend. We have Tim Swartz as our guest co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. We are GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. We've got listeners, lots of them. Around the world, around the clock, our listeners do what listeners do. They listen. And you know what listeners got? Needs. Needs for your products, your services, and money to buy those needs. With our network of over 1,000 radio stations, streaming on the web, and our satellite transmissions, we're reaching our listeners with quality conservative programming. But there's something our listeners don't have. Your offer to meet their needs. Any business needs buyers. But if our listeners don't hear your message, they're still going to buy what they need. Just not from your business. So let's fix this. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message for our GCN listeners. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Welcome back to the Paracast. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, Ryan Sprague, what do you think? Do you think that we could make UFOs into a threat sufficient to warrant an increase in the military budget? Of course. I, I think it's, it's very possible. You know, the United States always has a boogeyman. You know, there there has to always be someone out there who poses a threat to us. It's always been that way, and it probably always will be for that exact reason, for finance, for mili- financing the government, and for even independent contractors to, to make billions off of warfare. It's sad, but it's true. So could this be the next step, the next boogeyman? Nope, let's not go with Russia. Let's not go with China. We're going with outer space. So, yeah. I think it's understandable for people to lean that way when it comes to all this. But again, I I just don't see why they would have to use 
something like this to up a budget of the military. They could easily just say, oh, we had a terrorist threat this week. We should probably, you know, look into that rather than taking the the UFO route. I, I, I honestly think there are better things they could do to get funding for all of this. But um, look, I, I think Space Force is interesting. And, and it was bound to happen sooner or later. We do need to protect you know, the outer reaches of our planet and um, the satellites we have out there that we use every day to have this conversation we're having to you know, protect us, whether it's with cybersecurity and things like that. We need that. So I understand why our military would want to do that. But at the end of the day, I think we're really looking at uh, a shift in how our government deals with the topic of UFOs. And a lot of that has to do with the individuals who were in the government, are now on the outside, and are willing to hold their colleagues and uh, their constituents uh, responsible for getting information out about this topic that clearly they haven't been forthright about for the past 75 plus years. You know, what's interesting to me is the fact that we have former heads of the CIA become active as people who are saying we should get more information. And you think you have the CIA, don't you know? What about Helen Cotter, the first head of the CIA? He leaves the military. He joins his buddy and former classmate, Major Donald Kehoe on NICAP and demanding more information. Then, of course, we have Brennan. Okay, we have Woolsey. And these two former heads of the CIA saying we need more information. They're impressed by what's going on. And again, if you're head of the CIA, how could you not know? Right. And, you know, that debate has always been there. How much does the government know about the phenomena? And, you know, I tend to lean on the side of I don't think they know much. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't. And uh, But what can they do? They can control the information that gets out to the public, and they can try to control the narrative. And maybe that is what we're seeing play out right now. But I think they tend to forget that these things have consequences and they have ripple effects. You know, while maybe the Pentagon might be looking at it one way, you now have NASA getting more involved now more than ever. And wanting to look into the UAP topic, you have Harvard helping to fund the Galileo project when it comes to Avi Loeb and trying to search for life elsewhere. So these things do have ripple effects that um, I see it as that damn breaking. You know, maybe they've controlled the narrative for a really long time and it kind of got out of their hands in the past few years. They've been caught red handed. The Pentagon spokespeople lying to the public about what a tip looked at or who was in charge of it. And I think that comes from pressure from the public. I honestly do. I don't know where it's all heading, but yeah, I, I think what's most important is we're seeing a ripple effect specifically in the scientific community, a sort of a community that has shunned and ridiculed this topic for so long. But now you have very prominent people within those fields of physics and theoretical physics or techno signatures or what have you uh, now taking the topic seriously. And that's what I look forward to most, not what the Pentagon necessarily has to say about all this, but what our scientists have to say about it. And I trust them. I honestly do. The thing I worry about when we talk about congressional hearings, to go back to that topic you mentioned earlier in the show, is 
you have some members of Congress who will ask questions and try to get real answers. Others who will posture before the microphone and tell stupid things. And I won't mention their names. You know who they are, ladies and gentlemen, whether you're liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever. There are several of those people who will just talk in a motor mouth fashion, say dumb things. And if they do that before UFO hearing, it's going to become a circus. And that's what I worry about. Yes. And we've seen that play out in every sort of serious conference that's happened. You look at the disclosure project or you look at, uh, you know, the mock congressional hearings that occurred. Uh, There will always be, you know, the very serious nature to it of these individuals who've worked at nuclear installations who had ordinance turned on or off during a UFO event. And then right next to them, you will have somebody saying that they know there's 98 different alien races out there and Mm. they've all communicated with us in different ways and this and that. So again, it's so hard when you're dealing with such an amorphous phenomena where anyone can shape it into the narrative they want. That's tough. It's really tough telling up from down left from right. So I don't know, Gene. I, I think this topic, it transcends politics. It transcends religion. It transcends everything that kind of limits us here on our planet and really shakes things up. I, it's it's a rebellious phenomenon to say the least as our good friend red pill junkie would say yes we had rpj on the powercast just a few weeks ago and by the way when we get back to the politics of it you have to look at this we have people like senator marco rubio he's a conservative republican former representative john radcliffe who was a dni a conservative republican and you have people who served in democratic administrations like woolsey was have the CIA, I believe, under Clinton. Okay, and Brennan, John Brennan, under Obama. So when you have this dichotomy of political beliefs and expectations, it becomes all the more interesting. It is. And again, I, th- I think, I think it, it's a bipartisan issue. I think a lot of, whether you lean right or left, a lot of these senators and representatives uh, agree that this is interesting, this is highly unusual, and could possibly be a threat. So again, we've always had that sort of, I think, looming over the UFO topic since the beginning, is this topic brings people together more than it uh, it tears them apart. Yeah, we fight and bicker and argue on forums and on Twitter, but at the end of the day, we all just want answers to this topic. And it doesn't matter if you're talking to a conservative or a liberal. We want to know what these things are in our skies and what we need to do about it, if we can do anything about it. What bothers me, though, is the UFO question is also being caught up in a very, very extreme movement that should have nothing to do about it. I'm not going to get into it because people get crazy and we talk about politics, but I think you know what I mean. We get some pretty crazy beliefs out there and the UFOs get caught up in that. And that is very highly unfortunate. But then you have reasonable, responsible people who have served political positions. And when they say positive things, you wonder. But you also wonder, like, someone like President Clinton, President Obama, Secretary of State Clinton, all saying they don't know 
what's going on in the UFO business. Again, the president doesn't know. The head of the CIA doesn't know. The DNI, Director of National Intelligence, that's the big guy. That's the guy who should know all about this, what's happening (laughs) in the intelligence world. All these people should know, and they do not know. What the heck is going on there? Let's talk about that a bit more. The book is Somewhere in the Skies. Ryan Sprague is the author. Second edition is out there with Gene and Tim. You're in. The Pericast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com now with orders to stay at home public health concerns the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses your health is at an all-time high risk that's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system you can with new nano colloidal silver from americare our patented process with tiny silver particles one one hundredth the size of a red blood cell allows for maximum body absorption americare's nano colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nanocolloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. Have you been diagnosed with cancer? Are you one of the millions who have taken Zantac or other generic versions of this popular drug to help treat stomach issues? Then pay close attention to this message. The FDA said it detected low levels of a probable cancer-causing chemical known as NDMA in Zantac and other generic forms of this popular drug. They've banned sales and even removed it from the market. If you've been diagnosed with cancer and you've taken Zantac or a generic equivalent, call the legal helpline now. You could receive a free cash award and have your medical expenses covered. And there's no upfront cost to you. They only get paid if you win. So please call now. 800-998-7173. 
That's 800-998-7173. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Yes, the many voices of Tim Swartz. I understand <laughs> in another lifetime he wanted to be Mel Blank. <laughs> I was Mel Blank in another life, too. I just wonder in this day and age, though, before we get on with the serious stuff, how many people even remember who Mel Blanc was? Okay? Not me. I, that, that's why you hear the silence right there. <laughs> uh, okay, well, you've heard the voice in cartoons, the voice of Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig. Oh, okay. Barney okay. Rubble. Barney Rubble on the wow. Flintstones. The no, no. Hanna-Barbera days. More Warner Brothers. Right. Okay. Okay, this is a man of a thousand voices. <laughs> he was also an incredible actor and comedian. And his son, Noel Blank, still oh, alive. Interesting. Runs in the family. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Don't look up Mel Blank and then watch YouTube videos of this guy. First, look at the interviews. He's a pleasant, easygoing guy. And he has this amazing comic timing and all this amazing stuff that he could do. The real question, Gene. Did he voice Marvin the Martian? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I think he did. Oh, wow. <laughs> Perfect for this conversation. I love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it makes me so angry. <laughs> hey, he's probably more angry now that we finally uh, are on his planet, right? <laughs> uh, okay, so one of the versions of Marvin the Martian was indeed voiced by Mel Blanc. Perfect. He was the originator of the character. He did it from 1948 through 1989. Mm. That's amazing. Well, you know, the interesting thing about Mel Blanc is that we were talking earlier about uh, people who sustained injuries. Mel Blanc had been in a car accident at one point and was in a coma. The doctors didn't think he was going to come out of it, but uh, his son started uh, talking to him, asking questions to, say, like Bugs Bunny and uh, some of his characters, and got Mel to start responding in those voices. And that's what helped pull him out of his coma. Wow. That, see, that's you can't make that stuff up. That's just like, again, it unlocks something in, in the mind, I think, that, uh, you know, was subconsciously there for so long in his work and everyday life that maybe that is the only thing that could bring him out of it. That That's amazing. I love hearing that story. He broke nearly every bone in his body, Melbank, as he was recovering, was actually doing some of his voices from the hospital bed. Oh, wow. 
that's dedication right there. That is a true artist through and through. <laughs> I think, wasn't he also on Gene? He was a character actor on the Jack Benny show. Yes. And that's where you get to see him if you look at the Jack Benny TV show. What a great comedy actor he was because he had this tremendous timing. And he played so many different characters. But if you know his voice, almost every character he played, there was a slight, a slight element in that voice that said, this is Mel Blanc. As great as the characters were, as different as they were, from Elmer Fudd to Bugs Bunny, all this stuff, Barney Rubble, there was that slight bit of texture that said Mel Blanc, that individuality. Right. And again, that's when you sort of transcend your craft. And there's so many of those individuals out there. You know, I'm thinking of like Hank Azaria, who voiced how many people on the Simpsons and and whatnot. Like they, they will always be known for something other than their face on camera. And there's so many of those actors out there that you will never really know their name, but you'll you'll see them immediately and be like, oh, yeah. They've been in 300 movies that I've seen. Those are the true hard workers out there, in my opinion. They don't want the notoriety. They don't want to be on the cover of every magazine. They're just out there doing their job. There's something very admirable about that, I think. As I said, I'm looking at it now. Noel Blank is retired, Hmm. but he had done many of the original voices that his dad taught him or Hmm. that he learned from listening to his dad. Uh, taught by the best. Yes, indeed. I don't know how we get started with this thing <laughs> about the voices. Maybe, maybe Mel Blanc was an ET. Yeah. Okay, folks. <laughs> he was an ET. He was a representative from another planet. But let's get back to the thing we were talking about at the beginning here that I started, which is if a president, a former president, doesn't know what's going on with UFOs and says we should get some answers, a former head of the CIA director of national intelligence, someone in the defense secretary's office like Christopher Mellon. All these people were insiders. How can these insiders not know? Again, for me, Gene, at least, I think they they don't know. I don't know if anyone has the answers. And, uh, you know, just because we might know what happened in Roswell or we might know what happened in Rendlesham doesn't mean we know what happened in every other UFO case throughout history. So if the standing president or presidents of the past never had that need to know, or even, you know, the head of the CIA, that's where I really lean towards. I don't think they know what is going on. That's troubling in many different ways. So either we deny it's happening, which I think is what they've done in the past, or we deny that it ever happened. I I don't know. It's it's very hard. It's a very hard uh, question to navigate in terms of who knows, who has the right to know, and this, that, this, and that. But look, I I, I think we're heading in a good direction when it comes to uh, the openness 
of many within government to talk about this topic, which is, again, made up of thousands and thousands of people. We always go to that capital G, the government knows or the government doesn't know or this is their agenda. But it's made up of thousands of people with different beliefs, different agendas. You know, the guy right next to you might not even know what you're working on. And we hear that a lot, too. So there's a lot of stovepiping that goes on, too. So, yeah, that's true. But I don't know what I'm working on. I don't know what I'm working on. On, so how could you know? <laughs> exactly. Think about that. Yeah, but seriously speaking, I also look at the UFO thing as, well, we don't know what this is, and it doesn't fit within the four corners of my job, so forget about it. Okay? Right. And, and you think, have yeah. bureaucrats with specific assignments, people in the military with specific assignments, and they're taught to look at A, B, C, and D. And then Q comes over, and not the guy played by John D. Lancey, but some unexplained thing, or maybe the guy from Q. But whatever it is, something strange occurs. It doesn't fit within their framework, within their job description. So what do you do? Do you make a big deal of it? Or do you say, out of sight, out of mind? I don't want to know. Don't tell me about that UFO unless it's something conventional. I don't want to know about it because then I have to write a report. Right. And I think that's what we saw play out in this uh, pr preliminary assessment by the Pentagon. Whoever put this thing together, this was not their priority within the position they held. This was something they did after a eight-hour day at the office at the Pentagon. They got to go home and then deal with this UFO thing. Let's deal with these things. Ryan, yeah. Gene, Tim, you're in. The Pericast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News. I'm Brad Bernards. A plane flying from the Turkish resort of Antalya to Vladivostok in Russia's far east made a safe emergency landing on Saturday in the Siberian city of Krasnoyarsk, a source at the airport told Reuters. Azur Air Flight ZF-268, a Boeing 767, was experiencing problems with the hydraulics, Russia's Interfax news agency reported. There were no reports of anyone being hurt. Famed attorney Gloria Allred on Saturday argued on Newsmax about Texas' strict new abortion law. At six weeks, a woman can no longer get an abortion in Texas. 
and a fetus is not viable. In other words, cannot live outside of the womb at six weeks. Therefore, it, uh, it, it is unconstitutional and also creates bounty hunters. This is USA Radio News. They promised to be inclusive, but as the Taliban unveiled their new caretaker government in Afghanistan this week, an all-male roster of hardline clerics, veteran fighters, and at least one figure sought by the FBI, they met howls of protest in Washington. Through edicts and gunfire, the Islamist militia is cementing its control over Afghanistan, raising questions about whether the United States and other nations should formally recognize its rule. During an interview with MSNBC aired on Saturday, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin says it will be more difficult without boots on the ground in Afghanistan, but not impossible. We demonstrate on a daily basis that uh, there's no place on this planet that we can't reach out and touch when we need to. The issue will be making sure that we maintain a laser focus on uh, on uh, networks and, and, uh, and adversaries' capabilities. This is USA Radio News. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big, bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-985-1610. That's 800-985-1610. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Tim Swartz is our guest co-host this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. Our guest is Ryan Sprague. And as you point out, the Pentagon UAP task force report, maybe somebody wrote it at the end of the day. Maybe it was the interns. It is very, very badly written. It doesn't show a lot of attention and care. It's as if the people who did it were not the people who cared. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it screamed to me that they don't have the resources to properly investigate this, which they fully admit. They don't even have the technology to do it either, which was a strong admittance, I think, within this report, is we literally don't have the capacity to truly understand what we're dealing with. And again, what I think this says is we need a larger group dedicated to actually focusing on this topic. And we know that's what the Department of Defense is going to be doing. This task force, they had a task and they did it. They put this out, what was requested of them, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, But now we're seeing that within the the next authorization act, this is going to become a 90-day thing, quarterly thing where we're going to get a report from, or I should say, not we're, the members of Congress are going to be getting a report on what's going on with UFOs, what they've uncovered, 
it's also broadening the spectrum of who they're going to be looking at. You know, now they're going to be talking to the FAA. They're going to be talking to NASA. They're going to be talking to a lot of organizations that were not a part of this preliminary assessment. So I think that's exciting. You know, they're broadening the scope, opening up the conversation with more organizations. And uh, I look forward to what might what might come next when it comes to all that. What bothers me about the whole thing, though, is the tunnel vision. The first reports focusing on these naval sightings, and everyone knows that UFOs have been in the media since the 1940s. Yeah, we know that the report was only within the last, what they say, seven, eight years of incidents. I think the Tic Tac event was the furthest back that they went. So you're right, Gene. I mean, there's 70 plus years of baggage when it comes to this topic in cases that are not being implemented into what we might be dealing with. And that goes for future cases as well. So again, that's why I think this is good that we're opening it up to more, to the possibilities of um, not just the Navy, Army, mili- uh, the Marines, or the uh, the Air Force. So, I again, yes, I, I think they look at it from a very strict uh, military way, but I think broadening that scope is really going to open it up to a lot more. And eventually hopefully with the public. Like I said earlier, that data needs to be a part of their assessment. It's fine you had 144 cases you looked at that were military over restricted airspace, and you were able to explain one of those cases. That's a little troubling, in my opinion. But that's, again, just a small portion of what we might be dealing with. So now what would you say to uh, young UFO investigators who, who are coming up who maybe have no other knowledge except for the UFOs that uh, happened uh, you know, with the Tic Tac and since then? And as you said, I mean, you know, we have decades, decades and decades of uh, UFO information out there. Uh, what, what would you say to them to, uh, you know, to help them open their eyes to, to look at the bigger picture? That's such a good question. You know, we always think like our generation is the one to make a grand discovery. We were the first to think about this. And, you know, I see that play out on on Twitter a lot, actually. You know, this this social media platform that a lot of young people use to communicate in different ways. And uh, every day I have someone on Twitter coming to me and be like, Oh my gosh, I just found this case that happened uh, in 2000, whatever, 2006 over Chicago O'Hare Airport. Has anyone ever talked about this? <laughs> yes, we've been through it a million times. And look, I was that person for so long, Tim. You know, I'd bring something to the table and be like, oh my God, this is revelatory. And it was for me, but it wasn't for the old guard. So I, I think it's important that we not immediately just brush these people off, these younger people getting involved as naive or or shame them for not knowing every specific case that's come before and the date when it happened, who was involved, because they're learning. There comes a time where everyone is learning at a different pace, at a different level. They're just discovering this topic. I think we need to be patient when it comes to that, you know, instead of saying you're an idiot or you clearly didn't do your research. Give them time to do that. I think Lou Elizondo said of the Pentagon people looking into this, like, don't be surprised if you know more than they do about this because you've been studying this for your whole life. This is new to them. They're they're trying to play catch up. So I think it's really important to 
proactively support the younger people getting involved with this. Know that they're going to bring up stuff that you know has either been proven a hoax or is still undecided. And just give them that room to learn and just as I did. You know, there's many times I had to change my mind and approach to things as they will as well. So, yeah, I, I think we just need to be patient and uh, a lot more kind to those who are just getting involved. And it's happening every day and it's happening rapidly. It, it's incredible how many younger people I see every day hopping on to this topic and, and excited about it because they come from a generation that thinks, you know, alien life out there, it's a given for them. Where it wasn't for a lot of us growing up and decades before. It was smirked at and ridiculed, but we live in an age where a lot of our scientists are saying, oh, yeah, it's out there. It's definitely out there. Whether it's come here or not, that's the real question. So, yeah, I think we just have to have patience and know that uh, this is a gradual process of disclosure and um, discovery. And we might never get to the end point, but... Um, we're going to meet a lot of new people along the way, and, and that's exciting for me. One thing we haven't really touched on very much is disclosure. I mean, people going back to the days of Major Donald Kehoe, more recently Stephen Bassett, suggesting the government has guilty knowledge of what UFOs are. They're hiding the truth from us. I guess they're hiding the truth from former high-level officials in the government. Do you think at all that... The secret is already there somewhere. There is some agency or group that has it. To an extent. I mean, I, I think there's definitely people with more knowledge than the public has or certain whatever intelligence agencies or or whatnot. But I don't believe that there is going to be some grand disclosure someday. The The whole prototypical UFO on the White House lawn scenario. It's a process, Gene. If there's anything we're learning now, it's that that process is going to, for every step forward, there'll be three back and so forth. It's messy. It's muddy. No one ever said disclosure would be easy or or um, exciting. It could be a very gradual, boring uh, journey to finally get to those answers we've always sought, if we ever get to those answers, whether we like them or not. So, yeah, I think, you know, disclosure has already happened for a lot of people out there. The U.S. government acknowledged the UFO topic in a way they never have before, and that's very big. Um, but I think for for that, every one of those, the people having these experiences, seeing things, reporting things, coming into contact with things, that's disclosure for them at least. So, yeah, I, I don't see this as some big thing that we're all working towards to finally get all the answers. I think it's a personal journey for everyone involved, and we all want different answers out of this, these mysteries. So there's no truth embargo. I know Steve Bassett might, uh, you know, beg to differ, but no, I, I don't think there is um, some grand truth embargo. I'm sure there's some things that are left unsaid or unacknowledged for national security purposes, obviously. But yeah, I don't think there's some grand sweeping embargo on everything the government knows about UFOs, because I know I sound like a broken record. I don't think they truly know what we're dealing with. I don't. 
We're trying to make the government too competent. In any case, we have Ryan exactly. Sprague, Ryan Sprague, Gene Steinberg, and Tim Swartz. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. What will you do if there's a sudden food shortage? Given recent headlines, it seems likely, and at any moment. That's why it makes common sense to build your emergency food storage supply now while you still can. Do it with the kind of food that stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. Food that doesn't go bad like what you get at the grocery store. Whose food should you trust? The largest preparedness company in America, My Patriot Supply. We've served millions of American families going on 14 years. At MyPatriotSupply.com, our mission is your survival. Our emergency food could definitely be your lifesaver when the peanut butter hits the fan. Choose from dozens of delicious meal kits that provide over 2,000 calories a day, which is what your body needs. Order today, and your food will ship fast in unmarked boxes to protect your privacy. Don't wait. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. MyPatriotSupply.com For over 20 years, Extendivite has been helping people. Here is a testimonial from Amazon.com. Glad I found this product. I am 51 years old and started getting headaches a couple of times a week. I went to the doctor and my blood pressure was a little high at around 150 over 95. I found out about Extendivite and I ordered some to try it. Immediately, I felt better and it lowered my blood pressure and my headaches went away almost instant. I have been taking it now for about four months and I am so glad I found this product. You won't be disappointed. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Diarco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus doesn't grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. 
To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. That's shop, S-H-O-P, super, S-U-P-E-R-T, T-E-A, dot com. So the complete website is shopsupertea.com. Or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. That's shopsupertea.com at 818-984-6100. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So again, we're trying to make the government more competent than it is, and if it is a matter of out of sight, out of mind, it may have taken all this just to get them to look at something that's been going on for so many years. This is our final segment with Ryan Sprague, but he will be back with after the Paracast, where I'm going to focus very much on his belief systems. I'm warning him now and warning you listeners, if you're not a member of the Paracast Plus, where we're going to go and how we're going to get there. Tim, you had some final questions to ask. More of a comment, I, I suppose, on uh, the the whole disclosure thing. As Brian said, if there was, say, like this, you know, big press conference given where you know the president would you know come forward and say, yes, you know, we have uh, evidence of extraterrestrial life. You know, here's one now, and you know, bring him up to the podium and talk. Considering the uh, current situations and distrust and everything, I don't know if people would actually believe it or not. <laughs> That it's, is, yeah, <laughs> Tim. That's such a keen observation. We, we, you know, right now, you know, everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, government has told us UFOs exist, and we're willing to just buy into it so immediately." When you know, for the past seventy-five years, we haven't trusted their opinion on this topic or what they know. So it's it's ironic in some ways, and I think you're right. We do live in an age now unfortunately, of uh, conspiracy theory and and critical thinking sort of going out the door in some respects. And um, a lot of people don't trust the government, don't trust our scientists to know what they're talking about or what's best for us. And I understand that to an extent, but I still have faith that, you know, at the end of the day, our government does want the best for their people. So do our scientists. But it is hard. It's very hard to trust a government who kind of for the last 70 plus years has lied to us about certain aspects of the UFO issue and has covered certain things up. They may say it was for the good of us, um, but a lot of people would probably beg to differ on that as well. So, yeah, a very good observation, I think, on your part there. The government has lied to us about lots of things. They lied us into the Vietnam War. I don't care whether you're a conservative or liberal. You have to admit that they lied. They lied us into the second Iraqi war. They more or less lied into the war in Afghanistan. So we have governments from both political parties lying to get us into conflicts that we shouldn't be in. And we expect them to tell the truth about UFOs. And part of the thing is in this polarized atmosphere is, say, the current president, Joseph Biden, gets up there and says UFOs are spaceships. One half of one political party does not believe he's a legitimate president. So what do you do with that? How do you handle that? that? 
Forget about the belief system. How do you handle that? If he brought E.T. up on stage, they think it was a Hollywood special effect. (laughs) Exactly. And that's hard, Gene. I mean, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. We live in an age now where no one trusts the news. No one trusts the leaders. And I can't pretend to have an answer for that. What do you do? It's going to continue to grow, that mistrust. All I can hope for is that... Our government is looking out for us and um, are protecting us as citizens, and we can then go on and do our own research when it comes to this topic. You know, I don't think anyone should be buying into 100% of everything Christopher Mellon says or, or Luis Elizondo or, or Stephen Greer or any of these people out there. Especially Stephen their- Greer, especially Stephen Greer. Right. So I always tell people, don't put all your eggs in one basket when it comes to any of this. Do your own research. Come to your own conclusions. And I've talked to Greg Bishop about this all the time. This is a very selfish field to be in, not in terms of ego or, or you know, wanting to be famous or you're right, I'm wrong. But you want to know the answers to the UFO mystery because either A, you've had an experience or B, you just want to know for curiosity's sake before you leave this mortal coil. So I think it is a very selfish journey, and I don't mean that in a bad way, of wanting to know the answers to all this. So I always tell people, get into it for your own reasons. Don't buy into one way of thinking when it comes to all this, and do your own research, whatever that might mean to you. At the end of the day, remember, the real answer to UFOs may be in the hands of the force behind the UFOs. We are on the phenomena's timetable. I believe that wholeheartedly. If there is ever a disclosure, it'll come at the hands of what we might be dealing with. I honestly believe that as well. So it's always possible here that the force behind the UFOs may decide one day, assuming it's E.T. And I don't know. We're going to ask Brian in our next segment more about his theories because we haven't focused on that so much here. If UFOs are E.T., they hold the cards they can decide to come down here and land and make their presence known in a public way. I mean, not that isn't public just having UFOs flying about the skies, but I mean legitimately coming and saying, take us to your leader. (laughs) Or not. Yes, and what do you do when when you're dealing with a phenomenon that doesn't seem to care? about borders of countries or borders of planets or who a leader is. These ideas of if something were to come here, it would shake the very foundation of everything we've built throughout centuries now when it comes to countries, nations, everything. That's a big, big problem when it comes to the government and military dealing with something that doesn't care about those sorts of things. And again, that could be taken many different ways, but I don't think these UFOs or whatever intelligence lay behind them truly care who we've elected into office or who we hold to high esteem here on our planet. So it will really, really make us look back at ourselves, I think, if that were ever to happen, and we discover what these phenomena truly represent. It's going to be a lot of inward looking at uh, who we are, where we've been, what we're doing, and where we're going next, Gene. I I honestly believe that. Do you think we're going to have an answer in our lifetime? Maybe an answer, but again, I don't think we're dealing with one source or whatever lay 
at the source of these phenomena. You know, I always go back to people like Stanton Friedman, who passed away leaving a UFO conference where he gave a talk he gave 50 plus years ago. And we're no closer to an answer than we were before, and neither was he. So you do have to wonder, and a lot of these people in the field finally pass on, are they now getting the answers they always sought? I hope so. I truly do hope so. But every generation of UFO researcher has left not knowing the answers to it, at least to the level that I think a lot of us would hope for. I might get some answers along the way, and I might not like those answers, but uh, I'm going to keep trying, and I'm going to keep having conversations like we're having today where we can ask these questions. Because again, what is more important in life than truly knowing why we're here and is there life out there? Two of the biggest questions. And hopefully we'll get closer to some of those answers to those uh, very profound queries. I don't know. Hey, tell our listeners quickly, Ryan, where they can find more of your stuff. Absolutely. Everything I do, Gene, can always be found at Somewhere in the Skies, which is the name of my podcast, my books. And, you know, I write articles over at The Debrief, so you can always find my work over there at The Debrief. And uh, like I said, I run a weekly show just like you guys at the Paracast called Somewhere in the Skies. You can find that everywhere. Podcasts are sold and listened to. And um, you can look for me on the upcoming season of Mysteries Decoded as well on the CW Network. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. Check us out on Facebook. Again, the Paracast with several different sections. You can get branded merchandise, Paracast logos and other goodies, T-shirts, the jackets, everything. Go to theparacast.shop, theparacast.shop. Also check out the Paracast Plus at theparacast.plus, where we offer this show free of the network ads. And we also offer the After the Paracast podcast, where we've roped Brian Sprague in to hang out with us for a little more discussion on different aspects of the paranormal. It's included with your subscription to the Paracast Plus, the Paracast.plus, the place to go. If you order a lifetime subscription, use the coupon code UFO20 to get 20% off the Paracast.plus. Ryan Sprague, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. My absolute pleasure. It's so good to stretch out and have these conversations. So thank you, Gene. Thank you, Tim. It was my pleasure, truly. Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.